It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, once gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. If the Democrats fail, it might be the end of American democracy. I think we're one election away from the end of American democracy. If they take over in 2022, that is the end of democracy and we're going to have authoritarianism. I hope that we can flip this and save democracy. If we can't, I got to, you know, I got to believe that fascism will take over in America and that will be the death of democracy. The potential death of democracy. The death of democracy. The death of democracy. The death of democracy as we know it. This protest now is not simply about the death of George Floyd. It's about the death of American democracy, decency and humanity. I'm sad to say that it also can lead to the, uh, the diminishment of democracy if not its death. It almost feels like we are witnessing the the death of democracy here. The death of democracy line stood out to me, Jonathan, because I think that's just what the left is saying. This is the memo that went out. It's the death of democracy. The fact that Republicans will not let Democrats do away with the filibuster in order to uh, instate, to pass a voter bill that will do away with voter ID. Uh, will uh, provide for the federal government to control elections, take away states' rights. Uh, we'll have lots of early voting. We'll have lots of drop boxes, all kinds of stuff. And if people are against that, they are racists. And of course, uh, they are. They're going to destroy democracy. That's the. That's the. That's the general gist of it. It is nonsense, of course. You know it's nonsense. But uh, that's kind of the tack that they take. But I have good news. I don't often have good news, but I have good news, and that is that the Senate last night rejected this filibuster change with a vote of 52 to 48. It took a lot of courage on the part of Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema to resist this, and I have to praise them today for doing that. Kristen Sinema is under terrible attack. I'm sure Joe Manchin is too. A lot of uh, organizations are saying they're not going to support her. They're withdrawing financial support, like Emily's List, which is the pro-abortion women PAC, and uh, so she's going to pay for this, no question about it, and probably in ways that we don't even know. But the good news is, thank you, Lord, the filibuster was not done away last night in the Senate, and they will not have their way in uh, ch- taking over, f- grabbing federal power on uh, elections. And so um, one one last thing about the election, uh, Congressman Ahim Jeffries really said something pretty stunning. Now, remember that if you oppose the uh, changing the filibuster or doing away with it, you are going to destroy democracy. It's the death of democracy. The death of democracy. The death of democracy. The death of democracy. You heard it. I even played only like a third of that. So um, that's what they keep telling us. And yet, and yet, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries kind of sort of tipped his hand and the hand of those that would do away with the filibuster to institute this federal grab, power grab of our elections, making sure we never have free elections again. And if you don't believe it, listen to what he says. This is in regard to the filibuster vote. Let's listen. 
we're inspired Hugo Chavez, Cesar Chavez, we're, we're inspired by all of these leaders. So he's talking about that filibuster. And that first part is cut off, but he says, uh, we're, you know, we're inspired by Hugo Chavez, Cesar, Cesar Chavez. Hugo Chavez, the guy that destroyed Venezuela, who took power, federalized the banks, did away with elections, dismissed the um, representative body, and ruled with an iron hand. It took over all the businesses, uh, caused the people to starve, not be able to get medical care. Yeah, we listen, we're inspired by that. We, we Republican, we Republican, we Democrat leftists, communists are so inspired by Hugo Chavez and Cesar Chavez. And so there you go. All right. So forgive my voice. Yes, I'm not, I'm not well this morning, but I, I hope it doesn't drive you crazy. My voice, uh, I'm, I've got some good medicine and um, I went to the doctor yesterday. I'll just tell you something personal quickly. I went to uh, an urgent care yesterday that's been really good to us. And they, they gave us ivermectin for my husband um, after he, last July when he had COVID. And, uh, but the point is that in my interaction with them, I said, if I do, if for some reason I have COVID, uh, can you give me ivermectin? Oh, no, because the owner of the urgent care got into a fight, a legal fight, with uh, the Center for uh, Social Security, uh, Medicare and Medicaid, and lost the fight. And now he cannot give it anymore. And there's a lot of things they cannot give you anymore. Very interesting. But thank God I went to be tested for COVID and I don't have it. I'm negative. But if I weren't, just trying to jump through those hoops of trying to get proper medicine is just horrendous. And I know that's what all of you are facing uh, everywhere. And I would just say, again, go to Frontline Doctors, uh, uh, Frontline Doctors, so it's this FLCCC, and also to, um, um, you guys help me for a second. I can't think of the Frontline Doctors. That's good enough. They would be able to find a place where you can get um, a good medicine, medication, including ivermectin. All right, I want to talk to you about a lot of different Things. In fact, you know, Joe Biden gave his first press conference of the new year yesterday, and I can't play all of it. I actually wish we'd had time to do a montage of the famous statements of presidents like John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Or Franklin Delano Roosevelt. This is a day which shall live in infamy. Those are presidents that make you respect and honor them and your heart beat a little faster, profound statements that they make that they really they really believe. So, um, so but this is our president in his first press conference uh, last night of this year. Let's listen, clip one. Look, I didn't overpromise, and but I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. The fact of the matter is that uh, we're in a situation where uh, we have made enormous progress. You mentioned the number of deaths from COVID. Well, it was uh, three times that not long ago. It's coming down. Everything's changing. It's getting better. All right. So things are getting better in spite of what you think. Um, He talked about COVID. He talked about no apologies, he said, for what he did in Afghanistan, which killed 13 U.S. service members. He falsely claimed he made a statement about Russia that's unbelievable. We have not done anything on Russia in a long time, and I need to do that. Uh, but Russia is planning on, what we think, trying to invade Ukraine. He's asked about that, and he gives some ridiculous answer uh, that if they don't do a full-on invasion, it's okay. If they just do a little invasion, it's not so bad. That's basically what he said. And then a reporter asked him about what he had said about uh, people who uh, were opposing this new voter bill. And I want you to hear this reaction. This is a, um, a reporter from Real Clear Politics, and this is clip two. 
you know, you talk, you campaigned and, and you ran on a return to civility. And I know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or George Wallace. But you said that they would be sort of in the, the same camp. No, uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor, that they were Bull Connor. And that is an interesting reading in English. You, you, I assume you got in the, in the journals because you like to write. So did you expect that that would work with Senators Manchin or, or Cinema? Um, no, here's argument? the thing. There's certain things that are so consequential. You have to speak from your heart as well as your head. I was speaking out forcefully on what I think to be at stake. That's what it is. And by the way, no one, no one forgets who was on the side of King or verse on or Bull Connor. No one not done that. The history books will note it. And when I was making the case, don't think this is a freebie. You don't get to vote this way, and then somehow it goes away. This will be stick with you the rest of your career and long after you're gone. Okay, so that's kind of, uh, yeah, and of course he did say that people oppose this, you know, doing away the filibuster and not allowing them to pass this new bill, which is he equates to the Civil Rights Bill, uh, will be racist, like Bull Connor, who was famous for, you know, pulling, calling out the dogs and using all kinds of horrible things against black Americans. So, but this, but he didn't really say it. Watch my words. It's bizarre. That's our president. And that's all the time I want to spend on that. It's very dangerous, very dangerous. And I want to point out, uh, this is something we knew. I probably said this to you way back. It was a perfect choice to choose Joe Biden. I think it's a perfect choice because he's a weak man who is obviously impaired. And while he's impaired and there's some hesitance to really attack him because of his weakness. People may, the, the approval polls are, uh, ratings are lowering, but that doesn't mean he's being bashed in the media, not very much. And it's only started recently because he's this delicate old man who seems to be suffering from dementia. That's what it seems like. And so he has that protection, that buffer. Meanwhile, the people behind him who are actually doing things are destroying the country. They are destroying the country, and they can blame it on this doddering old dude who's losing his capacity. And it gives them a buffer. It was really brilliant. It, it really was brilliant, and it's actually, you might argue, is working. All right, I have a lot of different stories I want to tell you in a short time here because they're all important. And tomorrow is the March for Life in Washington, D.C. I don't know how they're going to manage those mandates, uh, the, the, ma the uh uh, vaccination mandates. I have no answer for that, but that's happening tomorrow in D.C. It is an absolutely wonderful event. I won't be there for obvious reasons here, but I'm, uh, I've love it. I've been there so many years that I would be there if I could. Let me just say another, this is a, just a non sequitur, different story. Hidden on page 403 of the infrastructure bill that was just passed is a mandate for government backdoor kill switch, kill switch for cars. You ready? This is page 403. The provision requires advanced drunk and impaired driving prevention technology be built into all cars. This technology will be able to passively monitor the performance of all drivers, suggesting this system will be on at all times. Okay, so 
What this means is they are, because they passed this, by I think it's 2025 it's going to go to, into effect, all cars would have this technology where someone at the federal level, level could completely disable your car at any moment. Now they say, of course, they always put, you know, this is what they do. It's, a, it's to stop drunk drivers, of course. Yeah, of course, it's to stop, stop drunk drivers who would not be in favor of stopping drunk drivers. But most of us who are thinking about what's going on in this world know that's not at all what they have in mind. It's something much more insidious. As I told you, they're trying to do, there's no, it's no accident that cars, we can't find cars now. The gasoline is so high, this is intentional. Uh, they want to do away with cars that are fossil-fueled. They want you to use electric cars, and eventually they don't want you to have those either. They want you to be confined to your home and controlled by them. I don't know how else to say it. Okay, no, another story. FBI agents have descended on Democratic U.S. Representative Henry Quaylar's house, uh, but won't say what they're investigating. But, you know, here's the thing. A, a Congressman Quaylar, I probably disagree with him on a lot of things, but on immigration and on the border, He's been a real uh, champion. But now the FBI has to investigate him. And so there they are. It's, uh, I guess they're equal. Uh, you know, he stuck his head up too much. I mean, I don't look, I'm, ass I'm assuming. I don't have any information about that. The FBI is not saying why uh, they're invading his home, but they are. Uh, so Governor Yunkin has named, uh, this is really fun, actually. I love this because it's, it's a great victory. After taking, uh, swearing his oath in Virginia a couple of days ago, he named a critical race theory opponent as his new chief diversity officer. Her name is um, Sailor's her last name. She is with the Heritage Foundation. She's a policy expert, Angel Angela Sailor. Sailor. Uh, she has written in opposition of critical race theory. She wrote a piece last summer called Schools Hiding Behind Diversity and Inclusion Rhetoric to Spew Critical Race Theory Vile. And that's who's going to be in charge now in Virginia of critical race theory as the chief diversity officer. I love that. I just love that. I'm so glad. And that's, that's good news. And that's what has to happen. If, um, if a Republican wins in 2024 as president, they're going to have to do a clean sweep. They're going to have to do it differently than President Trump did. If it's President Trump, he's going to have to do a clean sweep. You know, maybe he's learned his lesson. And I have something to tell you about him when we come back. Plus, we're going to open the phone lines in just a little bit. So I hope you'll stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if, like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for Christine Warmuth, Secretary of the Army. She has statutory responsibility for Army matters such as manpower, personnel, weapon systems, and communications. 1 Corinthians 14.40 reminds us of the importance of organization. But all things should be done decently and in order. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Christine Warmuth in her role as Secretary of the Army. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Everyone's goals for advancing their education look different. At Liberty University, we've helped thousands of students like you earn their dream degree. So no matter what your goal is, we can help you get there. With over 450 degrees from the associate to the doctoral level to choose from, most of which are 100% online, you'll find what you need to succeed. To discover which degree might be the best fit for you, text DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. A sermon delivered by Pastor John MacArthur has been labeled hate speech by YouTube. MacArthur is pastor of Grace Community Church. His sermons are broadcast on hundreds of radio stations around the country. He is a best-selling author and a beloved member of the evangelical community. Pastor MacArthur delivered a message about biblical sexuality, part of a nationwide campaign to draw attention to Canadian legislation that would silence pastors on LGBT issues. Five years in prison for pastors who preach against the LGBT agenda, that's the law, in Canada. I posted a clip on YouTube of Pastor MacArthur saying there's no such thing as transgenderism. You are either XX or XY. God made male and female. That's science, and it is true. But YouTube removed the clip and sent me a message saying the pastor's sermon was hate speech. In other words, YouTube affirmed the Canadian law. And it won't be very long before the sex and gender revolutionaries target the source of our beliefs. The Holy Bible. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. No, listen, he's living in a fantasy world. He really is. But, but here on planet Earth, when you spend trillions of dollars we don't have, uh, when you pay people not to work and reduce the supply of goods, that's going to cause inflation. I was amazed at the notes I had. I didn't get to watch the entire press conference, but he said that he outperformed expectations. Again, I'm not sure what planet he's uh, inhabiting, but again, here on planet Earth, uh, what he has governed is is a huge radical leftist. He's not the moderate that uh, the press said he was going to be. He's a a radical leftist. He's opened up the borders. He's caused the inflation. We have uh, catch release now at the border, but also in our criminal justice system, the embarrassing and dangerous surrender in Afghanistan. I mean, it is a record of failure. It's almost surprising that his approval ratings are as high as they are. Senator Ron Johnson, uh, you know, not holding back on how he feels about President Biden's performance and his speech. Just wanted to give you that little touch because uh, because it's very uh, insightful. All right, I want to talk to you about President Trump. Yesterday, the Supreme Court decided uh, there there was a dispute over this J6 committee, the Kangaroo Court Committee, that is all Democrats except for two Trump haters. And um, they want President Trump's notes, all of his records on that day. They want his uh, diary. They want to know who, everyone he talked to what advice he got from all of his uh, close advisors, everything. 
And so that's called executive privilege. Generally speaking, presidents do not have to turn over uh, their personal uh, memoirs and papers. And there's a reason for that, because if you're leading an organization, I know a little bit about this, you will explore all kinds of options, and you have to be able to say whatever comes to your mind, your advisors, everyone. You're brainstorming, you're thinking. Not everything you think should be publicized. and so. But it's giving the way away for people around President Trump to be, you know, like Mark Meadows. Uh, there's a whole list of them here. Many of them will be familiar to you. John Eastman, who's been on the show many times. Scott Perry was on with us yesterday. Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows. And uh, they, they're, they're going after them, and this is giving them the ability to do that. So what happened? Supreme Court will not block the release of that. They won't block the release of it. And guess who wrote the majority opinion? Brett Kavanaugh, who I believe, I kind of remember that he was appointed by President Trump. I kind of remember that he went through hell to be nominated. But the reason he made it through was because conservatives fought, fought, fought on his behalf. And so um, so he wrote the majority opinion, and he said, you know, basically, executive privilege is very important. We shouldn't do away with it, except in this instance, when it has to do, he didn't say this, I'm filling this in, when it has to do with President Trump, ugh, then uh, it doesn't apply. He should have to turn over everything. And again, this is coming, I think, from that Washington, D.C. vortex, just poisonous atmosphere there where they have a narrative of January 6th that the rest of us don't, we think it's very incomplete, that they don't really understand what happened on that day. So, but And the only dissenting justice was Justice Thomas, who said he's laid out why executive privilege is so important that people should be able, as I said a few minutes ago, to express their opinions without worry about courts and being prosecuted for their thoughts and their expressions and their exploration of different things to do. But it's going to happen. So, oh, and by the way, the National Archives, I think within two hours of that decision, turned over the records to the committee. Yeah, and how many times, you know, have through this last several years when President Trump was president, they have, all of these agencies have dragged their feet for months and years to turn over information for courts. Oh, just think about the videos uh, at January 6th at the Capitol. Still dragging their feet, you know. So, um, yeah, so there you go. And uh, speaking of January the 6th, a new video, new video that I just saw today, I had not seen it before, has surfaced that uh, shreds the liberal media narrative about Ashley Babbitt. And I'm going to refer uh, an article to you in Town Hall by Matt Vespa. We'll put that on our Getter account. Uh, and so basically, um, uh, to to summarize it, and you want to you'll want to read this so you know more about it. Four different times she tried to stop uh, the people that were breaking out the windows and tried to get the police uh, to stop this. She asked for them to call backup. She was a policeman in the military; that was her job. And uh, it's uh, the, people have done frame by frame video evidence um, analyzed. It paints a very vastly different picture of Babbitt's actions than was portrayed in the media. So, and also the video footage shot by John Sullivan. John is the one who was right was next to her when she was killed. He's uh, no, no, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, black activist, uh, shows that Babbitt tried to stop the violence against the Speaker's lobby at least four times before she climbed into a broken window and was shot by U.S. Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd. At one point, she was so distressed at the violence, she jumped up and down in frustration. And you'll be able to see it in the video. It's also in Epoch Times. Uh, Ashley Babbitt pleaded with police to call for backup moments before she was shot and killed. Yes, so there you go. Isn't that lovely? 
And Alec Baldwin, now here, this is kind of lovely. Alec Baldwin is being sued for $25 million by the family of a fallen Marine. Now listen to this. Um, This was a guy who was killed in Afghanistan. Um, Let's see. Hang on, i got to tell you the story. It is a Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCollum. He was killed on August 26th in Kabul and a suicide bombing as he was processing refugees, you know. I mean, remember that chaos right there at the airport and all of that? That's where he was. He was killed by a suicide bomber. So um, Alec Baldwin took note of that, and he sent $5,000 to his widow, uh, G- Gianna Creighton. And he did that through McCollum's sister, whose name is Royce. But then later, he noticed that Royce posted a picture of herself uh, at in Washington on January the 6th. She didn't riot. She didn't go in the, in the Capitol, but that didn't matter. And so a neighbor turned her in. And so she was interviewed by the FBI and cleared of any wrongdoing. But now we know that Baldwin went after her with a vengeance. He said, when I sent that money for your late brother out of real respect for his service to this country, I didn't know you were a January 6th rioter. Um, and then she said, protesting is perfectly legal in the country, and I've already had a sit-down with the FBI. Thanks, have a nice day. He goes on to say terrible things about her, and he starts doing it publicly, calling her an insurrectionist. And uh, so the family is suing him for $25 million. So, um, yeah, so there is some recourse, we hope. All right, I want to tell you a couple things about COVID that are very interesting. This is good news, okay? England is ending all COVID passports, mask mandates, and work restrictions. Prime Minister Boris Johnson just gave the the nod to that. He said also the self-isolation rules may be thrown out by the end of March. Uh, And as he made that announcement, he said from January 27th, indoor mask wearing will no longer be compulsory anywhere in England. School children will not have to wear masks. And when he made that announcement, roaring cheers from lawmakers could be heard in the House of Commons following his announcement. Okay, so um, I think that's good news. And hopefully, you know, that will be kind of a chink in the armor of other countries. And as a matter of fact, Sweden has just scrapped their demand for negative COVID tests to enter the country. All right, so that, and that's really good news, isn't it? And so, and just to show you the ridiculousness of this, this is ridiculousness of this. Trying to hurry, so I leave off syllables. That helps, right? So Dr. Eli David posted this. Israel, the only quadruple-vaxxed country in the world, also using mask mandates and COVID passports, just broke global record for daily COVID cases. And he, he, does, he gives the chart here, and it's huge. I mean, Australia's right under them. Israel and then Australia. And, of course, Australia's horrible right now. So, you know... Let it soak in. Just let it soak in. And then here's another one. Jessica Rose uh, is a researcher. She has a real interesting, she got her Ph.D. in computational biology from Bar-Ilan University in Israel. But she decided she wanted a different challenge, so she tried to learn. She wanted to learn statistical computing software. And she decided just randomly, she had no opinion, no, you know, no bias, she decided to go to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. That's VAERS. We've told you about this, but to, just to mention again, this has been set up for a number of years, a couple of decades probably, 1990, uh, to record the injuries from vaccine, vaccines, injuries or deaths. It's an inexact science. It takes about 30 minutes to report. It's mostly medical people who do it, but they don't, they don't have to do it, and most of them don't do it. They say that uh, it's probably off by 
you know, up to, I don't know, it's it. I've got, I don't want to just randomly state the wrong stats, but exponentially off, generally speaking, of what the reality is. But at least you can kind of get a, a feel for what's happening with injuries and deaths by these just voluntary but not representative samples. So she started looking at this research, trying to learn this program. That's all she was trying to do. And she said, I didn't go in with questions, but what she found was disturbing. VAERS has been in place since 1990 to provide an early... I've already said so. So um, usually in the past for VAERS, there's been around, around 40,000 reports a year, including several hundred deaths. And that's for people after having taken vaccines. But with the introduction of COVID-19 vaccines, VAERS reports went through the roof. By January 7th, there were over a million reports, including more than 21,000 deaths. Other notable diseases issues include over 11,000 heart attacks, nearly 13 cases of Bell's palsy, over 25,000 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis. And she said, clearly, there is no concern among authorities for people who are suffering these adverse events. Um, she goes on to say, sorry, she goes on to say that um, the myocarditis in youth, which is what really just Everything bothers me about this, but the, the kids, I just can't stand this. Uh, it's already acknowledged as an issue by the vaccine makers, but it's always described as rare. And she says, as of July the 9th, they found 559 VAERS reports of myocarditis, 97 among children ages 12 through 15. Then she said, within eight weeks of the public offering of COVID-19 products to the 12 to 15-year-old age group, we found 19 times the expected number of myocarditis cases in the vaccination volunteers over background myocarditis rates for this age group. In other words, quickly, it jumped by 19 19 times. After two weeks, on October the 15th, the paper disappeared. She wrote a paper, and it was printed on... She wrote it with McCullough, I think, Dr. McCullough. uh, After the paper disappeared from the Elsevier website, replaced by a notice that said, Temporary Removal. So um, so the, her study on this, as an objective reporter, obje- objective scientist, uh, examining this, has been taken down. And, uh, you know, a recent Danish study concluded that the, an elevated risk of myocarditis for young people following the Moderna COVID vaccine, we've seen a lot of this. She also, uh, Rose also says that the COVID, reminds us that the COVID-19 vaccines have not gone through the 10 to 15 years of safety testing that vaccines have always had to go through. And so um, so in the past, 50 reports of death in VARs would prompt authorities to hit the brakes and investigate, Rose said. In her, her view, that should have happened with the COVID-19 vaccines a year ago. And then she goes on to say, this is the, the stat I was looking for, VARs understates adverse events following vaccination by a factor of anywhere between 5 and as much as 100 Submitting a VAERS report, yeah, and I already told you why. So, all right, so this is, I want to read her final statement. She says, we don't want to be doing this, but it is our duty. Doctors, are, doctors swore an oath to do no harm, and researchers with integrity cannot look away from this. And that article is uh, in the Epoch Times. It's researcher calls out censorship after journal pulls COVID-19 vaccine adverse events analysis. Okay. So, you know what, um, this is, uh, so I'm going to change the subject for a second. Did um, 
I have to say, I've been trying to make my way through your email. You know, we've been, my email address is sandy at AFR.net. And it, I, I'm overwhelmed. I, I see so many needs in those emails that I feel just unable just by sheer, kind of like Moses, when all the people came with problems and he can't solve them. That's the way I feel because I am, I, it bothers me, it hurts me to hear your stories. Uh, so the, the best thing I can do sometimes is to just tell your stories and make sure that people know about what's happening and somebody may be listening that can help you and just giving you some general advice about how, how to help, you know, how to do this and how to fight back. I want to read a couple of email that we have here. This is from uh, CF, is, I guess. I don't know the name. I spoke with my favorite checkout lady at our local Walmart today. Two weeks ago, so many of the employees there were coming down with COVID that they closed the store completely for two days and had a company come in and clean and sanitize the place. What's interesting is that 20 of 22 employees that got sick have been vaccinated. Isn't that interesting? And I'm sure there's a lot of stories like that. By the way, I should I did not, uh, not that this is important, but it is kind of because I talk about COVID all the time, and I know people listen who are not uh, friendly to my position on it. Yes, and I am sick, but I don't have COVID. And I didn't think that I, I didn't think that I would because I've had COVID before. But who knows for sure? You know, so I'm I'm coming at this with, we have to have an open mind, but boy, the fact check by nature seems to show that I have natural immunity because uh, surely everyone's, everyone's catching this particular variant. It's, it's spreading like wildfire, and uh, but it's mild. I mean, I don't know about that because obviously I've got something different, but um, I just wanted to make that clear. Okay, so this is from uh, Teddy. Teddy says, I worked at a local Fox TV station for 30 years in management and sales. I lost my job November 12th because I did not take the vaccination, vac- vaccine. Any suggestions as to lawsuits? The na- and, and, uh, well, I will, let me just say this, Teddy. Um, because of the change, you know, because of what happened on the, this is, he sent this in December. Because of um, the Supreme Court just striking down that companies with 100, maybe there's something in that. that you'd have to contact one of our conservative legal councils like Liberty Council. I think theirs is lc.org. And ask them about it, because uh, because I or ask someone local that you could find who's a friendly, who's in the um, legal establishment. There are precious few of them. I know that they've almost all caved. Uh, but Teddy, I'm so sorry to hear about that. I really, really am. We're all in kind of a jam here. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. 
My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Here, Jesus instructed his disciples to cross a lake and meet him on the other side of it. As they went, they were met by a violent windstorm that halted their progress. Often in our Christian lives, we receive clear instruction from the Lord, only to be met by an obstacle that halts our progress. We must, however, recognize that the onset of a storm does not cancel out God's instructions. Halted progress does not equal denied destination. When Jesus directed the disciples to go to the other side, he absolutely meant for them to get there. Delay does not equal denial. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hi, my name's Eric. And I'm Kendra. And we have been married a little over two years now. Honestly, I think the, the most challenging part of our marriage so far, we're right in the middle of it. We're trying to have kids right now. I have a spinal cord injury, so that makes things a little more difficult. And um, I just am, am dealing with some issues with infertility. The difficulty is on my end. But it's our infertility. But it is our, yeah. Because we're right. one now. <laughs> and I, I think what's really helped us through this is keeping Jesus at the center Mm -hmm. of it all and knowing that anything that causes you to lean and depend on Jesus more is actually a blessing. Yes. It's heartening to to know that I have someone who's, she's on my team. Tune into By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. What the president meant to say is bureaucraties for damage limitation when the nation's chief executive makes policy via unscripted pronouncements. It kicked in after Joe Biden signaled during yesterday's press conference that Russia could use a little military force against Ukraine with impunity. The uproar that ensued on both sides of the Atlantic prompted the White House immediately to affirm that the president meant to tell Vladimir Putin that any military action by his forces would result in, quote, a swift, severe, and united response, unquote. Unfortunately, long before this telegraphed Biden dive, his humiliating Afghan surrender and collapse on impeding Putin's Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline, the Russian dictator knew what Americans are still learning to their horror. This president is no match for ruthless tyrants, and not just Ukraine, but the world is likely soon to suffer greatly as a result. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios back with you. I meant to give the phone number because I want to talk to you. Our phone number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Uh, please call if you, you know, you got something to say or something to tell us, and you always do. You're just great comments, and you really add to our information and understanding base here because I, I really feel like um, it's my perspective, having been in D.C. for so long, that the American, I don't think I've ever really been so convicted of this as I am now. Uh, the American people, the heartland, the, 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 the American people are the smart ones. The people who are just ignorant and deceived are the so-called intellectuals circling the Beltway, circling New York, circling, you know, wherever else. They just 
don't understand. I, uh, they are they are caught up in the the facade of intelligentsia, and they speak. Uh, they have knowledge but no wisdom. That's what the Bible speaks about it. They have knowledge but no wisdom, and so um, uh, I think the the American people have a lot more wisdom wisdom than their leaders. Okay, hang on a second. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I want to give a shout out to Judy. She lives in Josephine County, Oregon, and she's a listener. And I meant to mention this last week, and I left this. I just didn't have it in my pile. She is a Grant Grants Pass, Oregon. She said, "Good morning, Sandy. You moved my heart yesterday morning during your program regarding all the candlelight vigils going on around the country. Although busy with big issues in my life." I made a few calls around 3 p.m. to invite a few to gather around our flagpole in front of our courthouse. This was, uh, just to break away here, this to remind you was the vigil on January, the anniversary of January 6th, vigils held all over the country. And so this is, and this is a vigils for those who are incarcerated, been, being held in solitary confinement, held without bail, treated brutally. Yeah, so that's what this is about. She said, I, although busy with big issues in my life, and I'm, I don't doubt that, Judy, I made a few calls around 3 p.m. and invited a few to gather around our flagpole in front of our courthouse. A few people agreed. I brought candles, my Bible, and waited. Nobody showed up. However, I lit my candle, said some silent prayers for those unfortunate patriots still in the Washington, D.C. jails for about 30 minutes. Thanks for being such an inspiration. What a blessing you are. Well, Judy, <laughs> listen, you're, to me, you're the blessing. It takes so much character to just stand on your own. It's discouraging, and when you are convinced that you're you're right and this is a righteous cause, I have to say, Judy, as discouraging as that experience would, would has was, I'm sure. the The irony is that when you stand firm, pretty soon you find that people are lining up behind you, if you're standing on the truth, and you are. So don't be discouraged. And what a, what a great example you are to all of us for your conviction and and selflessness to show up that that night. This is um. Some people are, st- well, we're still concerned about Deborah Doster. You, Deborah is the woman who's a listener, and she needs a kidney transplant. Vanderbilt took her off the transplant list because she hadn't been vaccinated. Uh, and so lots of people in Tennessee are very upset about this. Deb is, um, she says, more than those just living in Tennessee or who have medical contact with Vanderbilt need to contact them, financial donors who find what they're doing to Deborah is reprehensible, need to contact the school. And she's right about that. Follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. Yeah. So uh, that's a very good suggestion, Deb. Thank you. And this is um, from Pete. Pete says, I've been on the phone. This was, these are older email. Okay, because I'm just, I'm trying to catch up. I've been on the phone with Vanderbilt since your show concluded this morning and have spoken in depth to two people I also left a message at the office for patient relations. And so uh, it's still really very crucial that you call Vanderbilt. If you have a cons- if this strikes at you and you want to intercede for Deborah, you can. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. I can't take the time to explain all of it because I want to go to the phones. But the number is 615 615-322-6154, 615-322-6154. Five, four. And we'll put that on our Getter account. Again, we've been working through Getter. So go to G-E-T-T-R and uh, you can um, uh, find information. Also, you can contact me at Sandy at AFR.net. Okay, got to move ahead here. Let's go to um, 
Shirley in Tennessee. Good morning, Shirley. Speaking of Debbie Doster, how are you? <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I pray that you feel better very, very soon. And Thank you. I just know I am encouraged because I've spoken this before to people and let them know. I feel that our country, the Lord has given this to us, and he's the only one who can take it. So he'll find some way to help us, or he'll take us and place us in his kingdom, which is our spot anyway to come. And for Deborah Doster, I um, I wanted to say that I used to work in um, Nashville as a pharmacy tech. And I'm going to tell you, I really hate she's going through Vanderbilt because I remember distinctly so many mistakes that were made by Vanderbilt a doctor sending people with prescriptions and things that could have been actually harmful to them. One lady came in with blood pressure pills and thank the Lord after they were filled by the pharmacist and handed to her and she started to walk off. She turned around and said, wait, what's this for? And the pharmacist said, that's your blood pressure medicine, ma'am. And the lady said, wait, I don't have blood pressure problems. She said, well, are you sure? That's a very strong blood pressure medicine. Uh, the lady said, no, I just have a headache. And so the pharmacist took the medicine back, called the doctor, found out it was a medical mistake that could have killed her. So I oh, feel wow. Deborah Dobson will be better off somewhere else getting her surgery. And I'm praying for her either way. But I often said, if I ever get sick, don't send me to Vanderbilt. And and uh, I meant that. God bless you all, and I love Thank you, you all. Thanks. It's so nice to hear your voice. And thanks, uh, that's very interesting information. Thanks for your prayers for Deborah, for sure. Let's go to um, Julio in Texas. Good morning, Julio. Hey, good morning, Ms. Rios. Thank you for taking my call. Hope you get <laughs> to fill them better. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Julio. Thank you. Um, I mentioned to your call screener that I saw something on, I know uh, a lot of people have mixed reviews on Alex Jones, but he did have a lot of good information showing the uh, vaccine injections and just a bunch of, uh, I guess, the side effects and whatnot. Anyways, I'd also like to mention to people to let everyone know to listen to AFR so they can get some good news and uh, best news of all to let everybody know about the gospel because, uh, you know, hey, the Lord is coming. I don't care what you think. The Lord is coming. People need to quit being so arrogant. Hey, he's going to get here before you know it. Okay, Julio, good word. Thank you so much. You know, I, I know Alex Jones has been uh, vilified, and I don't know all about Alex Jones, but I do know that some of his reporting is really good. I see stuff there that I, I wouldn't see anywhere else. So, you know, this remember, <laughs> so it's... I always, I started saying this several years ago. All my best friends are, have been in jail. And I know that sounds really weird, but I found that, you know, it's uh, been true for a long time now, a couple of decades, that if you're on the right side of things, you get punished. So most of the people that I know well who are in this business have been punished in one way or another. So uh, anyway, right, let's go to um, uh, uh, Tammy in Virginia. Good morning, Tammy. Hi, Sandy. Um, I'm calling from the great state of Virginia. We're thrilled that we have our new uh, governor <laughs> in office. And please pray for us today at 1.30. Our school board here in Chesterfield is deciding whether they want to follow his executive order or not. Wow. So, um, yeah. And secondly, um, I'm sorry you're not feeling well. I'm praying for you. And I just want to tell you thank you so much. You're such a blessing to me and so many for speaking truth constantly in this world. And um, I just can't thank you enough. I listen to you daily. One last thing I wanted to tell you is my uh, family just went through the Omicron virus and the only person in the house that didn't get it was my husband. And that is because he's on a daily dose of hydroxychloroquine for an arthritic condition. Imagine that. Oh, that's really interesting, Tammy. 
That's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. You know, fact check by nature, as Dr. Malone says. That's really interesting, Tammy. Thank you so much. Let's go to uh, Amos in Ohio. Hello, Amos. Hi. Uh, I apologize for stammering there for a second. With it's okay. The normalcy of the, uh, the situation with doctors being forbidden to uh, prescribe stuff that they know deep down will work, when all is said and done, will this go in the history books as a bigger atrocity than the Tuskegee syphilis experiment? Oh, no question about it, Amos. We're talking about millions of people, uh, several hundred thousand dying, uh, hundreds, uh, I don't know, I'll say thousands, you know, having adverse effects. And of course, that's just in the United States. Uh, But absolutely, the scope of Tuskegee was very small. And even I think the scope of the thalidomide scandal, I believe in the 60s or maybe 50s, I'm not sure, where all these babies were born deformed because of uh, because there, there was a defective uh, medication giving. I I think this nothing compares to this. Nothing compares to this. And Amos, you know, uh, uh, on the heels of what you said, wh- I don't think I finished my thought earlier when I went to an urgent care yesterday. There were lots of things they could not give me. They told me I had a r- uh, interesting conversation with the girl uh, because well, first she started out with the party line, but you know because I because I don't like take the party line very well. I just said, listen, you know, that's not true. And uh, she said, we're just backed into a corner. She said, we've gone to court. We've lost with Medicare and Medicaid. And now we cannot give ivermectin. We can't give this. We can't give that. It is horrible. How dare uh, the, the powers that be force doctors to choose between losing their license and saving people's lives I'm just thoroughly disgusted. And Amos, I don't know how this is going to turn out, except I am encouraged that these uh, these countries are changing their minds, you know, and dropping their restrictions. I think that the, the, I hope, I hope that the wheels are coming off the bus on this and that the truth will be plain to people soon. But uh, thanks for your comments, you know. Well, I'm uh, just stay listening and we'll work out this, all this together. Let's go to, um, uh, let's go to uh, Deborah in Florida. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning, and thank you so much for your insight of my the cesspool where I grew up and what really is going on in Washington. And I just want to give you a little bit of history. The mayor of D.C. is a graduate of Elizabeth Seton High School in Blainsburg, Maryland, where they try to take down the cross. I also am a graduate from the Immaculate Conception Academy, which our school closed in 19. 19- 85 because of the riots in 1968. They were not sending their children back. And we normally have an alumni meeting. And, and we raise money for this school. Well, no longer, because that school actually receives almost $12 million. You have a black mayor from um, Blainsburg from that school, and you can see what the result is with, with the mayor of D.C. and what she's like. And saying that, I mean, we have Catholics that are Pelosi, that's Biden, yes. yep. how many other? But there is one good Catholic, and that's the, that's the senator from West Virginia. And I call his office routinely when he does something right to give him the courage. But the last thing I want to make, say, you said that JFK, who is a moderate Catholic, but despite Sanders Day, he'd be an outstanding Catholic. And he said, they asked not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. But he actually pleasurized that. You want to hear that? It was your very lies and what you have given and may give to your country, not what your country has or may give to you. That was Calvin Coolidge. 
1921 <laughs> at the address, a vice oh. presidential address to the Convention of the American Legion. I have a picture of my grandmother on the White House lawn with the Women's Industrial Group in 1925 with President oh. Coolidge. That Coolidge Library does not have and the farm does not have. Wow, that's really interesting, Deborah. Really interesting. A great history and the kind of thing that, unless we tell it, who's going to ever know about this? This stuff dies with us. This information, you know, dies with us. And so I had no idea. I do, I would say about, I always think of John F. Kennedy when he said, uh, Ich bin eine Berliner, you know, that famous speech in Berlin, because <laughs> I lived in Berlin. He actually was saying, I love jelly donuts. No, I am a jelly donut. That's what he said, literally. And uh, he, But they've immortalized that statement because, of course, he meant that he was he was identifying with the Berliners. But those things uh, do happen and kind of gives some humor on history, although that what we shared is not humorous. Deborah, it's great to hear from you, and I love hearing your historical perspective. Please uh, call any time that you think of something that you can share that's relative to what we're talking about. That'd be great. Thanks for calling, Deborah. All right, well, you hear that music, don't you? And so um, we have a great show for you tomorrow. Fred, Fred Jackson's going to fill in for me tomorrow. And uh, you know, Fred always does a great job. Maybe he should talk about Canada and what they're doing <laughs> with COVID and transgenderism. I just, oh my goodness, what a mess. We, are, we should be very grateful because today we're free. Today we can still worship freely. We can talk about Jesus freely. And we can live our lives. And most of us still have income. Some don't. And so we need to help those who are on the front lines of suffering right now. Uh, and But let's do it with gratitude and humility because we don't know what's coming next, do we? All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.